talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello, and welcome once again to more like The Worst Wing, the show where in 2019, we take a bit more of a socialist perspective on Aaron Sorkin's seminal classic TV series, The West Wing, and critique it pretty hard. Although, I will fully own up to the fact that over the last couple episodes, the dramatic part of the show has quite taken over the political side of it. Yes. I'm your first host, Stu. I'm your other host, Dave. And this week's episode is season two, episode 19, 20. Um, I don't have the number off, but it's, <laughs> it's entitled 20. The Fall is <laughs> Going to Kill You. Yes. Yeah, so actually, I want to knock this out before we even get into the meat of the episode. The reference is taken and spoken directly by Alice and Janney in the end right of at this the very episode. End. Yeah, it's sort of um, the climactic moment, you could call it ma- almost. Making making reference to something that if you are under the age of 40, you may not be familiar with, but the classic film Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, where um, if you're familiar with the story, the outlaws are fleeing to Bolivia and they end up cornered by the army and they have to, they're backed up against a cliff and Paul Newman and Robert Redford are basically looking over the cliff being like, well, our only options to jump and CJ references this in the way that it's like, gosh, the fallout of this whole MS diagnosis thing, we shouldn't be worried about what's going to happen down the road. It's right. like, we're just fucking done as soon as we jump. We're in you it. Know? Yeah, we're in We are it. now fully in it. So yeah. the fall is going to kill you rather than the rapids down below or drowning in the water. The, the, the show lately has been doing the whole drop the actual title of the episode into the dialogue tr- trick uh, quite a lot lately. Uh, we had that with Bad Moon Rising just last mm-hmm. episode. He says there's a bad moon rising. We had that with 17 people. Obviously, that one's going to just kind of come up in natural conversation. But we've had that a lot lately. And it's, I don't want to call it lazy, but it's a little on the nose to constantly yes. do, to constantly do it. Sometimes you and just want to have episode titles be episode titles. Or also be like, I feel like they're the episode title and and this is just me, my personal taste in television is like if if you're doing this and you're trying to be self-referential or clever about it, you have to also be somewhat opaque or actually clever instead of just being right. like, we're going to physically state this line. Right. I think it actually show. worked better where they had somebody's going to emergency, somebody's going to jail, mm-hmm. and the song lyric just plays right as the title card happens. And they're like, we're not trying to be cute about it. Here's the episode. <laughs> like, I think that's a lot better. And try well, to exactly. kind of be and like cutesy wootsy about it. You you can figure it out, or or if you're in on, it gives you the feeling of being in on the joke to a certain degree. Right now, whether a reference to the 1969 movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance I mean, Kid was sufficiently aware opaque. of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid outside of the movie as well, in terms of just you know the actual legend of Butch True. Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. True. So I, th- I think even, like, I haven't seen the movie, and I'm able to track along with CJ's outdated reference just fine, <laughs> because I understand that, yes, they were outlaws, and at one point they were contemplating jumping into some fucking rapids off a cliff. So, anyway, this <laughs> is the, um, this is sort of the, the conclusion bit sort of, of yeah. 
Well, it's like I feel like since the seventeen people episode, this has been a or excuse me, Bad Moon Rising, whichever one came first. This has been a like a, a multi episode. It's, it's all arc. building to the finale, actually. Exactly. Because the what the, the the grand question at the end all of this is is Bartlett gonna run for a second term? Now, that's that's ultimately what the whole MS scandal is actually like quote unquote about. Uh, as well as how how they're gonna deal with like you know press reaction and and whatnot. Yeah. So this week we open with further staffers becoming aware or being informed yes. of the MS diagnosis and sort of the opening scene. It's so good. It's, it's so very fucking good. good. Again, like, this is just there. There are times Pla- we'll Platz, fall on. <laughs> Platz nails it, and I like this is the snippy best kind of Sorkin dialogue where they're just going back and forth at a mile a minute, but in a good way, not in like a technocratic, you know, trying to use a bunch of complicated words. No, they're just having like a good, honest. Back it's an and interpersonal, forth. emotional reaction, right? And it's yeah, and so CJ yeah. has been just told the the MS news like six hours ago, so. I can understand, like, her, she's very, like, brittle here, and, like, really on the edge of snapping at pla- at, at Babish uh, throughout this opening scene. And I get it, because, like, the news is still very raw to her, and she's still kind of in that, like, when Toby was angry and he was trying to get that leak a few episodes back, and because <laughs> yeah. he was lashing out about this MS news that only he knew at the time. It's easier, I'm guessing, on Toby now that multiple people know and that he's known for a while. But still, as people are being broken the news, they're they're reacting poorly. And so CJ's reactions in this scene are all sort of given that that emotional push by this well, knowledge. So I think, actually, and the more I think about this, it's quite clever how they worked out how each character would interact if they were giving it, like, you know, a... Um, yes. A significant scene because Toby processes it in a very Toby way where right. it's like... I'm going to be upset about procedural questions. And like, this is literally a administrative problem. And, you know, pending upon. Right. We had a coup d'etat in this country. (laughs) Exactly. And, and the, the constitution and CJ. That was the way he had to act out about it. Yeah. Well, and that that's befitting his role, frankly, with CJ here does it literally with words. Right. Because as press secretary, that's out as a, Exactly. I think it's quite clever when I think yes. about it that way because it, it culminates in just and, like... And she tries to do it with a lawyer who's also gifted in words, <laughs> and so it doesn't really work. And he well, really kind of puts her in her place a couple of times with the whole, like, I really wish you wouldn't do that shit of, like, trying to be cute. I've never found anything in my life even once charming. Yeah. <laughs> and being just implacably correct... Like, it is just, it's the really the way to get under someone who is a wordsmith's or, like, a bullshit artist's skin. It's just to be calm and and make bald statements. But then she eventually gets after him, as you noted here with this. I think this is really going well so far. It's actually, let's just fucking include the clip here. Yeah. When did he tell you? I'm sorry? When did the president tell you? Six days ago. And Josh? Two days after that. Toby? Two days before he told me. CJ, have you ever lied about the president's health? And Leo, he told more than a year ago. Yeah. And I've had this for six hours now, so maybe giving me some room wouldn't be totally out of line. You know what I'm saying, Oliver? CJ, I'm going to have to ask you some questions. Less you can be pissed at the world for no particular reason, the better I think. I don't know you. I'm sorry? I was told to report to you. I don't know you. You've been here, what? Three months. Three months. So why should I trust you? Well, I don't care if you trust me or not. Imagine my shock. I got better things to do with my imagination. I think this is going really well so far, Oliver. It's almost hard to believe that four different women have sued you for divorce. 
oh man this is like really mean yeah but going back on rewatch there's very few moments that have gotten me to actually laugh and like that has joined the handful of moments that got like a big belly laugh out of me it's just perfect delivery by Janny, and like it's been building this whole time like you're you can tell they're both ready to just fucking snip snap at each other and like yeah, she, and she's <laughs> the first to do it and it feels so satisfying it like cuts the tension of the scene kind of yeah. it's like a catharsis moment oh absolutely and now again i made an also note here which is it's legitimately a mean oh of course fucking thing to but say to, because to be fair, he's be better po- than this. yeah he's been poking at her a lot and then she took <laughs> it to like a whole new level like all of a sudden out of nowhere and takes it into the realm of personal <laughs> attacks whereas he is trying to do like the lawyer thing of like and he demonstrates later on, he's like, look, any idiot lawyer can cross-examine you, and or actually, he does that with Abby. But, you know, it's still the same kind of principle yeah. of, like, look, you're gonna get cross-examined, and if you try to act like this sarcastic, you know, snarky queen, they're gonna rip you apart in front of a jury, because you're gonna look like an asshole. Yeah. Well, and you're eventually making these statements under oath and on the record. Right, so like... and you're gonna start saying shit that, that contradicts itself, because <laughs> you're answering too much information. Uh, as he does with the very poignant, um, you know, do you know what time it is? You know, it's like, it's it's five past noon. It's like, no, that's not the question. Do you know what time it is? This is this is one of my wife's absolute favorite lines in the series. And I've had personal experience with this phenomenon recently. I don't know if I mentioned I'm suing my landlord. Like, it's public record at this point, so hey. I can talk about it. But in the conversation that I've had with the like the housing and tenants rights lawyer that is representing my class action suit. I was, he was like, don't say if you get to pose, you never say anything more than you have to. And I was like, to answer the like question, fucking, yep. like fucking Oliver Babish. He's like, <laughs> I don't know who that is, but if you get this into your head and I said, when I'm asked, do you know what time it is? You say yes. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, um, that's the cold open is Oliver yeah, and, and so CJ going back and forth. Having about a nice back and news. forth. And, um, and it, it, uh, I love the note it ends on to lead us into the credits. So he starts out asking, have you ever lied about the president's health? And then they get into their whole back and forth because she doesn't really want to answer the question. Because at the very end, he dials back to, have you ever lied about the president's health? And she just says really nice and quietly, many, many times. Many times. <laughs> <laughs> and that just leads us right into the, Cut the into credit credits. song. And it's a really great moment. Uh, so as soon as we get back from the credits... We've got uh, Ed and Larry are fucking giggling it up over some facts they pulled out of the fax machine, and they're just having oh. a good a good old chuckle of a time about it. And as we find out later, this is such a routine thing that I have no idea why Ed and Larry find it so fucking funny. Like, if I, it happens every week, is this just the first week that Ed and Larry have stumbled on the fax machine? This, and this part. Sorry, I didn't even particular... say what happened. A satellite's no, 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 falling sorry. out of the sky. Yeah, so there's there's a there's a Chinese satellite that is in a deteriorating orbit because if you don't, long story short, with the science, if you don't put a thing into space far enough, there is no way without active or give it a propulsion to, or something. Yeah, exactly. Without active propulsion to keep it in orbit. Yeah, so and a lot of these satellites have have no thrusters on them and are just you know so de- this, dead metal. This launches a thing into a what is a episode long Teledonna. Yes. That I don't really understand. And well, she doesn't even ever get... Here's the thing. Normally in a Teladonna, she gets an answer. And there's kind of a bit of a back and forth. 
In this, she is specifically denied the answer because CJ is in her uh, her meeting with Babish. And so yeah. it would have been that CJ would have just explained to her, hey, Donna, this is super routine. It happens all the time. You don't have to freak out about it. But CJ was detained, so she doesn't get that answer. That would have been <laughs> the end of the Teladonna right there. It would have been like, oh, okay, I learned a little something about satellites. Doo, doo, doo. But instead it becomes like this quote-unquote comedy plot where she's freaking out for the entire episode, and uh, and Josh and all them laugh at her behind her back. And, yeah, and it's like, it is, it to be fair, it helps to set up the eventual, and honestly, I've watched all of these in a row now, so I can't tell them apart, but, like, there is an eventual point where she is also let in on the president's diagnosis. Yes. And the contrast with it, 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 it doesn't, do anything to set that up so it's like why is donna around this time i honestly do not know it's weird it's very it felt, strange. it felt like they were filling for time and i felt like they thought it would be a lot funnier than it ends up being which is really not that funny uh you can't just have characters laugh and make us think it's funny a satellite falling out of the sky isn't inherently funny unless it like landed on a chicken truck or something yeah or you but did that, something that hilarious. doesn't happen yeah. so we also get um, kind of this thing where they launch into um, how to deal with the potential fallout of publicizing the diagnosis because now they are fully locked into being like, we got to go public right. on Soon. this stuff. I think that they're planning Soon. to do it within the week um, is, is a lot so, we get from Abby. They've they've called in our resident polls expert, da, 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 da. Joey Lucas. Hooray, our she favorite. Man, I would be mad if I was her. She has to fly in and immediately fly back out. <laughs> like, like she was planning on spending some time in DC. I think they, you know, they were gonna go have a nice lunch or something. Yep. Like, I, I'd be upset. <laughs> and they're 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 sort of like deceiving her about this. But we also get they have to. It's all secret, you know. They got yeah. it's like a, it's, it's a spy mission. So the, the obviously the the Joey and Josh relationship makes a resurgence in this episode. I'm, I'm a little bit generically. They don't really. I mean, I'm yeah. speaking generically. Yeah. Okay. The yeah. Being. They don't really but flirt or anything, but Josh, they're they're close. You know, it's an intimate conversation. You so could say. Josh also gets set up early on with a guy who comes by to his office yes. with another sort of. Weird... This dude is great. I don't know the actor's name <laughs> off the top of my head, but he's just like. He's a perfect character actor for, like, sweaty, overworked lawyer. Yeah. Like, he so is very he Ted, Ted from Scrubs energy going <laughs> exactly, on yes. here. Like, That's exactly who I was thinking of referencing, because yes. we've already had Ted from Scrubs right. in the show. <laughs> right. Sadly, he can't come back, because he's already been someone else. So we, we get another Ted from Scrubs showing up who... Yeah. Fatter, which is but, actually, but same sweaty energy. It, it seems strange out the gate, but it is very, very... Apropos right. of it, link, it links so, back really well. Yeah. What he comes to Josh to say is that the government is suing a a cadre of big tobacco companies for. I think this is a plot point from an earlier episode. Actually, this is the Ooh, show. I actually do not recall. I think. I think. I think uh, this is coming from an earlier episode where they sued the tobacco companies. Uh, maybe hmm. even season one. Um. But if not, maybe they're just if, retconning it into like, oh yeah, this has, been, this has been going on. But regardless, um, yeah, as you were saying, yeah, so they're running out of money for the lawsuit. And he's like, look, the pro you know, he's like, did we all give you a shitload of money? He's like, yeah, man, we fucking burned through it. Like, we're fighting up against a team 
of companies that have 300 lawyers per company, and we're a team of, like, 30 government lawyers fighting the whole 1,500-lawyer army, man. Like, we need every fucking dollar we can get. And, and, you know, these people, and this is the thing that we'll link back later, he says, these people perpetrated a fraud against the American public. We gotta take them down. And so this, just kind of like to, not to put too quick a point on it, it's like, Josh references this later and he's like yeah oh, well he does shit. a double take and he makes the guy repeat yeah. it in the moment which is kind of drawing your attention to it already but yeah yep. and he puts two and two together like oh we perpetrated a fraud against the public <laughs> too by hiding bartlett's multiple sclerosis so really rapidly as the rest of the plot winds down Sam is approached by, in this episode, by the Progressive Caucus to include a line in a speech about rich people being bad. Sam objects to this line, both on the merits of the philosophy that rich people are bad, and also on the fucking semantics of it being bad speech writing. Yeah, and it is a bad line, to be fair. Uh, The faster faster private jets doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Uh, But... More importantly is his fucking shitty attitude, and this is a clip that Roblo himself has retweeted, which is the clip of Sam explaining exactly why the fact that when he was making $400,000 a year, uh, he was paying 27 times the average person's income tax rate, but the fire department doesn't come to his house 27 times faster and he doesn't get 27 votes and all this fucking garbage. I didn't didn't have enough rich privilege in our fucking hyper capitalist (laughs) society for my taste. Uh, So let's not, let's not insult any rich people uh, when, when we're taking their tax money. We'll we'll dig in on that a little bit later. Oh, I want to dig on it a lot. (laughs) So, okay. So, and then like, but we'll dig on that later. Yeah. Abby, Uh, the, the president's Abby's wife back. comes back, so Yay. Abby's back, um, has a fight with the president, obviously, about what the fuck is going on. Yeah, well, so we find <laughs> out that he didn't tell her about any of this MS stuff. I mean, obviously she knows he has MS. He didn't tell her about, you know, all the revelations that have happened recently with the with the form and, the you know, Zoe's college form and everything. Mm-hmm. He didn't tell her about any of that. So then Leo talked to her about it, assuming that the president had told her. So she finds out firsthand from Leo. So she's already. So this is why she's fucking pissed. Is because he 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 didn't. He it's he he lied through an omission of truth kind of thing. Like as she says, we talk on the phone three times a day. This this didn't come up. Yeah, we we didn't just happen. We're married. Topic. Yeah. Yeah. Like we talk every day, multiple times a day. This didn't come up, honey. So she comes back, does a long interview with Babish that ends up being, um, and as less said, antagonistic than CJ's. Exactly. Yes, but also like um, less antagonistic, I think, by virtue of form, because Abby is like legitimately bad bitch in charge, right? And CJ's a person who works in the right. White House. Yeah, uh, her, <laughs> Babish and CJ are probably more on an equivalent level, whereas you know the first lady is above his level. So it's part yeah. that it's also part that she, uh, Abby's more on the defensive, I think, mm-hmm. or more in denial. Really, it's very personal uh, for her, um, so. it, or it's extremely personal to her, and she's just trying to like r- write it off with like, "I just signed a form, Oliver. It's not a big deal." And he's like, "Of course, it's a giant deal. I'm the White House Counsel talking to you about it. Do you not get <laughs> that this is a giant fucking deal?" Yep. And then 
the episode sort of it, it winds down with Josh and CJ talking on the street in the aforementioned Butch Cassidy yes. uh, metaphor, and then you know close out and we go into the next episode. So because we've been talking for almost twenty minutes straight <laughs> now, Man, we'll take a brief break and dig in on. I think we've got a couple things that we want to talk about in specific. Yeah, and nothing too much. Sort of, yeah, but nothing too huge. This will be a short one. Yeah, this, this is week. more re- recapping the episode was the bulk of it. All right. All right. So let's take a break. And welcome back. Uh, so let's dig into Sam's plotline here a little bit. Uh, the first thing I noticed is just that he's already, like, upset that anyone tries to... Anytime anyone tries to insert a line into a speech, Sam always pushes back a little. Uh, I think we've seen that happen multiple times before. But this time, he's particularly upset when he hears it's from, like, the Progressive Caucus. Like, kind of gets him up on his, you know, his hackles up a little, yeah. it feels like. And it's weird, because Sam is supposed to be the quote-unquote idealistic one. Um, yes, much in contrast to Josh, who is brutally cynical. pragmatic. and Yeah, yeah who's brut- brutally pragmatic and cynical and does all this dirty shit to win, whereas Sam is the idealist who thinks, you know, with sweeping rhetoric and, and glorious, you know, speech writing, we will unite the people under a beautiful America that does all the good things and none of the bad things. Yeah. Uh, and yet... Uh, he is refusing to do some of that sweeping rhetoric when it comes to rich people because Sam ha- is a class traitor uh, <laughs> and is and is just all about saying, well, I made $400,000 a year and blah, 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 blah. I had to pay a lot of taxes. <laughs> Full on fucking class traitor here in Sam, uh, Sam Seaborn. Although, actually, I don't know anything this, about this just makes me think of every trip to the Hamptons. Every <laughs> yes. time we see him like at the opera and, you know, talking about his friends with the 20 bedroom homes and so, fuck you sam so sam comes out against this and uh, i think i'm gonna include the clip here just to sort of set the stage we need the clip yeah do the whole clip yep henry last fall every time your boss got on the stump and said it's time for the rich to pay their fair share i hid under a couch and changed my name i left gage whitney making four hundred thousand a year which means i paid 27 times the national average in income tax i paid my fair share and the fair share of 26 other people. And I'm happy to, because that's the only way it's gonna work. And it's in my best interest that everybody be able to go to schools and drive on roads, but I don't get 27 votes on election day. The fire department doesn't come to my house 27 times faster and the water doesn't come out of my faucet 27 times hotter. The top 1% of wage earners of this country pay for 22% of this country. Let's not call them names while they're doing it is all I'm saying. You're not using the line? No. Or anything like it? No. And I hope you'll make it clear to your people that this has nothing to do with diluting our position or cozying up to Republicans. Oh, why would they think that? Okay, so... Uh, all right. So the, 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 There's so much wrong with this argument. Well, and so, initially, the Progressive Caucus wants, like, the most milk toast, mild... Yeah, just one line! Like, not even... Uh, honestly not even calling for it's like it's not specific it doesn't even name a specific billionaire it just yeah. says like 
we think rich people shouldn't have a big old fucking tax cut because they have a shitload of money already. Like, that's the line, in a nutshell. It's just using a little, uh, you know, sappy prose to get there. And the the framing at the outset is that everything is considered from the perspective that tax cuts are beneficial. Like, tax tax are cut, only good right. and yeah exactly and it is it is the desire and 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 positive outcome that there a tax cut will be put forward and put into law so right so so here's something we didn't mention in the recap is that uh, there's a running through line as well of them being psyched that the congressional budget office oh, estimation yeah. Holy shit. for the budget surplus is $200 billion lower than expected. And they're all psyched about the government having way less money than anticipated because it will help them in their fight on this tax bill in Congress <laughs> in this particular moment. Uh, they're not thinking long term as to, oh man, we sure could use that money, like say 30 million of it for the fucking tobacco lawsuit that we're talking about. <laughs> and it is so, this is, it's the most cynical and they. It's so cynical. It's so bizarre because they acknowledge it. They, they put they, it in the They all acknowledge mouths. how stupid it is. Yes. How how dumb it is that they're excited to have less and, money, and they're all aware of it. They're all and, and they all realize how broken me, uh, a mentality that is. Uh, it I just it it's mind. It's bizarre. I yeah. am so confused, and it's so tonally dissonant that it's like, um, so if I'm internalizing this as a viewer, what does this even mean? Um, they're they're happier. <laughs> that they're not gonna they're happy that they're gonna have less money overall in the government budget because it makes this one particular fight a little easier for them. So That's the ultimate cynical. like short term over long term kind of thinking. It's basically like we wanna get this next quarter's numbers real good, but who cares about the five year estimate? And so and again I I I wrote this down as being like just as a disclaimer here, our discussion of this issue will go along with the show's acceptance of the neoliberal capitalist financial system. Right. We kind of have to. Because, to... because there's no other way to acknowledge reality these days. Yeah. And, and therefore, like, we understand that the, the MMT philosophy, that is the, in my mind, the absolute minimum acceptable perspective on how money right. isn't fucking real. And right. taxes, like... taxes at the federal level don't, fund anything they remove no, they, excess they remove money from the money supply absolutely exactly that's the point so that's that's the point of them that's our personal disclaimer here with with but that on, on like the neoliberal fucking you know whatever level like obviously people do appreciate tax cuts you know they're very popular you know, everyone, you know, no one likes taxes. That's pretty, you know, we're pretty square on that. People pay them because, you know, you have to, uh, and you know, because they buy civilization is always kind of my go-to, <laughs> yeah. of like, hey, you want to pay no taxes? Go to Somalia, have fun. Well, and and that's uh, that's where Sam's argument is just so bizarre because in in the in he the, benefits the most from this society. Exactly, his four hundred thousand dollar Gage Whitney job wouldn't exist without the taxes that built this society. That's the fundamental flaw with his fucking stupid argument and it's it's almost self-contradictory because he says that these things don't happen x times better for me but that that's the point 
like right for for Every, him. we have a universal baseline level of services where everyone has in theory police services and fire services and running water out of their tap now in practice we can't even manage that fucking <laughs> yeah, level of of competence <laughs> even though we're the richest goddamn country in the world and and his and that's why i say it's tonally dissonant because it's like you're you're literally your, your in benefit from society was the salary it wasn't the taxes and you're like the taxes don't pay for extra benefits you, you also the realize, salary did it let you buy a nice car and a nice house and nice suits and all that nice dinners and all that shit and you, and you don't you don't need the water to come out of your tap 30 times hotter <laughs> yeah like there is Wait, a which, there's a cutoff what? where it's like yeah. this is this is fundamental, and this actually kind of in a in a economic perspective, it also goes back to like the marginal utility, marginal value, exactly of of these dollars is that at a certain level and of services, yeah, you do not need more. You like it's right. fine, we're good, and right. so why are we working for a, a nominally progressive, if maybe just left liberal, government? How how right. do you exist within that framework if you're making right. these sort of arguments? And this this whole thing is just about a rhetorical line in a speech. <laughs> We're not even yeah. actually changing the actual tax rate on rich people. We're not making any like, policy. Like, you, we're not upping the tax rate on rich people or anything. It's one line in a fucking speech, but he defends it with the passion and zeal that he would defend, like, <laughs> all the big issues that come up. Like, when he has his big education moment with Mallory or whatever. Like, he, 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 he uh, he's being his idealist Sam self in the service of the stupidest fucking ideal I've ever heard of. And, I mean, and you mentioned here, he just comes Which out swinging. Which is that swinging. rich people might have their feelings be hurt. Yeah. And, is the ideal he is protecting. And it's they, they have this wonderfully sort of stereotypical setup of the progressive caucus that comes to meet up with him in the Roosevelt room. Oh my room. god, and okay, yeah. It's like, Let's dig oh into that for a minute. Good lord. Uh, like, they so barely get any two, two out of three of them are black. Yep. Uh, one is a black woman who directly challenges Sam when he says that this line is shit writing. Uh, and because he says, uh, quote, it's written like a high school girl. And she says, is there something wrong with the way female writers write? And he's like, well, when they're in high school, there is. (laughs) Like, Jesus fucking Christ. So later in the episode, he says to Toby, I may have offended some people in the Progressive Caucus. And Toby goes, well, were you right, though? And he says, yeah, I was right. Uh, and that's just like, fuck you, show. Great, great. Fuck off. Sam, okay, cool. So now we're to understand this character is just a solipsist. And, I mean, frankly, it's completely in keeping with the administration. Every one of these yes. motherfuckers, if left to their own devices, would refuse to acknowledge reality outside of themselves. So, yes. okay. Hell, they're actively doing that right now with the <laughs> MS thing, and they think they have a fucking handle on it. Like, that's the ultimate proof <laughs> yeah. of exactly what you just said. It'll, yes. It'll be fine. No, nobody will Oh, care. no, we got, oh, what, pff, the American public and the press? Those are just dumb rubes. We're going to fool them. Easy. And so it's it's very interesting that this Sam thing is then juxtaposed within the, again, completely sort of like plot agnostic concept of the tobacco lawsuit running out of yes. money. Because it's like, well, what what is our goal here? If we can't politically appropriate the proper amount of funds for this tobacco lawsuit or 
again, going with a more MMT philosophy here, is remove that excess capital from the tobacco companies via right. correct taxation. It's right. all just, or in this case, punitive fines as well. Exactly. It's all just blended into this ideological mess where it's like, motherfuckers, your own lines are defeating what it, what is supposed to be like a connection with your audience earlier right. in the show. It, and here's the thing. If they win this tobacco lawsuit, A, the government is going to recoup all of its expenses because the companies will have to pay that out as part of the punishment. And then B, all the money that the co- companies then pay to however they distribute it, whether it's to the victims or to like a relief fund or whatever, all of that is pure economic stimulus stolen from capital. Yeah. Yeah, it which will you diminish. have now directly injected into the economy via the people, via one method or another, even if it's just healthcare costs or whatever, that's still going into the economy. It, and it'll you know? diminish their ability to control to the narrative, market. to market, and, and, yeah. Right, they're fucking cigarette, poison <laughs> cigarettes. Uh, if any of our listeners smoke, try to quit, man. Don't don't get cancer, it's yeah, bad. Yeah, cancer bad, like... It, uh, yeah, and well, you know you're gonna get it from power lines or something else anyway, so don't up your. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's that's the the sort of the that, real yeah. hard politics that comes out in the episode, which is fine. We have now actually spent a good deal of time on it. So yes, let's we have done our, our mission statement. Let's transition. <laughs> and, and actually tackled the politics of the West. <laughs> let's transition into now. Let's the... just talk about messy character drama. <laughs> We're going to take a brief break so I can get another beer before we dig in on messy character armor. Maybe I'll be a little more messy. So we get more Josh, Lyman, Joey, Lucas interaction in this episode, which is always great. At LAX. <laughs> because I love Joey Lucas. And I think they actually, filmed at, actually in LAX, too. No, it's at Reagan. Oh, motherfucker. He's <laughs> he's putting her on a plane back right. to Los Angeles because she lands. And he's like, hey, I totally tricked you. That's right. And you're, you're on the flight back to Los <laughs> like Angeles. Like you're That's literally right. turning, turning right, around. Right. Yeah, she, that's airport. right. She's in D.C. Duh. Yes. Of course. Duh. So, but it looks like anyway. they filmed it in LAX, though, is what I'm saying, like in real life. Well, so actually my wife made the point that it's like, this is, they filmed, I think, inside Reagan because she's like, where she where she walks into the shot when we first see Joey. Uh-huh. I was like, that's the bathroom. Oh, okay. The yeah, I mean, they did shoot on D.C. <laughs> for a few days uh, per season, so they might have gotten the sh- this shot in at Reagan. Uh, so anyway, the, go ahead. Anyway, <laughs> so Joey Joey shows up because the White House is going. Basically, the administration's hiring her to do some very careful, subtle polling, secret polling, ab- essentially about the diagnosis in the way that she can frame it and get to a correct audience to see how the public will react. So, first of all, super <laughs> cynical, like 
we're definitely doing crimes, but what do you think oh, the bubble will be? How do they pull, Johnny? <laughs> oh, I mean, if the crimes pull good, then we're just going to come out and say we did crimes, and, yeah. and that'll be great. Look, if the degenerate public is okay with us lying to them all the time, fine. We'll keep doing it. So, yeah. Joey comes in they, because... They treat it has, like it's this super impossible thing to do, too, to, to poll about this without letting the cat out of the bag. And, like, you know, her solution, which is very simple, is just we give it to a governor of a, of a state. And that way no yep. one thinks it's the president. And we just say... They're, I mean, polling's all hypothetical questions anyway. I don't understand why they think... Yes, obviously, I if guess. you made a poll about, like, if the president had MS, would you find that bad? Then people are going to be like, wait, <laughs> does the president have MS? Like, tip, tipping your hand in that way is probably a little bad, but it's also, like, they don't even... But, like, Leo and Josh treat it like it's this impossible task. Oh, like, well, and, and her screen isn't even particularly subtle. It's right. just, like, just make it a governor <laughs> it's and like a quote It's, like, the first thing I would disease. think of, and I'm not a pollster, like... <laughs> yeah, so, who knows why they regard this as particular expertise but, but the point yes of the scene is to get these two characters back together clearly a little bit because they are they're walking through reagan and um you know, yeah she has talking. a new new cuter interpreter oh, yeah. which uh that definitely adds an element of like tension to the scene a little and josh has to like put the guy down because he's 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 better looking than bradley whitford is <laughs> yes and josh is the most insecure motherfucker <laughs> on the face of the planet. Um, um, but then so, he also has to dismiss the interpreter and send him away because, you know, you want to limit the conspiracy scope here and just tell Joey and not have yeah, to Joey limit be, this rando <laughs> interpreter. Joey will be the 20th person or whatever yeah. in, the, uh, in the conspiracy. Yeah. Um, and so, so he, he has to, yeah, he has to break the news uh, to yeah. her about Bartlett's MS in the scope of this conversation. And it's a really nice touch here. And this is something we... We we discussed um, off air is that he does he does the American sign languages for the letters M and S when she asks him what's the disease now and I thought here what's interesting is this is one time when the show actually treats its viewer with a degree of intelligence and says okay we think you're smart enough to realize that for the last three episodes we've been talking about Bartlett's MS and when and when Joey Lucas asks what's the disease and Josh does two gestures with his hand, even if you don't understand American Sign Language, hopefully you can put two and two together and realize these are the letters M and S. <laughs> and honestly, I was expecting like a fucking subtitle to show up yeah. when, he, when he did it of like M S. <laughs> It'd be very Sorkin just to be like, you rubes, you fucking plebes. It means MS, bitch. Right. But so it's a nice they, little moment. Know, yes, they do. They do give credit to the viewer. There's also like... Uh, I also like that. Okay, so we he has to ruin the kind of normal walk and talk. So the plan is that Joey hmm. can read lips as well. She doesn't need the interpreter as long as people are really good about like, you know, putting... Facing their, her. Facing her, exactly. And so this ruins the normal walk-and-talk dynamic where characters are usually side-by-side side, or sometimes one is in front of the other. And at several points, Josh is in front of her with his back to her and is about to say something and has to do a 180 physically so that he can put his his mouth in front of her eyes. Uh, and it's, like, it's really good, like... I don't know what the word, blocking, or, you know... It's a good way of playing out the scene where it basically just... You know, there's and, there's this physical limitation that he has to get yes. over. 
Well, it it also it also further, um, I guess, like commits to the investment in Joey as a character. Right. It's something that a lazier screenwriter wouldn't think of. Right. To be like, yeah, they're putting like a lot of depth in this. these in these like side character, you know. Yes. Of like, and, hey, and we uh, have to think about all the logistics <laughs> of of how to deal with a deaf woman when you want to keep a secret from her interpreter, you know. And that's like that's a cool dynamic to add to this scene. Oh, and it's I mean it's in contrast to all the other stuff, you know, with with the the, the stereotypical shots of the show. It's actually really interesting. It's new yes. and different. It's, yeah, it's, it's not the normal walk. Quite and talk. good. It's, yeah, yeah, and uh, we get some extreme close-ups here, which works good because a it is a sort of romantic tension scene. A little, not a lot. They don't flirt, but you know, it's there. But we get extreme close-ups, A, on Bradley Whitford, because we want, like, I don't know about you, but I was trying to, like, lip-read along with Marley Matlin, kind of, sure. when I was watching mm-hmm. him. Like, if I was deaf, do I think I could lip-read him? And I'm like, I'm actually picking up a good fair amount here. But granted, I also had the audio on. I didn't, like, mute it or anything. Yeah. Um, and But then we get really close-up on Marley Matlin's face, because her reactions say so much in this scene. Because she gets to find out about the MS... She, she asks, you know, is the president doing okay? Like, like we get real extreme close-ups just on her reactions, and it's it's really well done. Well, and, I mean, for me, like, the the shot where Josh is mumbling about the president being yes. fine, and she reaches out and, and gra- like, mm-hmm. touches his chin and tips it, pu- it up. Pushes it up, yep. And, to be, like, and the repeated, look- yeah. Like the look on his face and how they deliver that interaction is probably the best thing in this show to date. Yes, that I've seen. It's so fucking good. It's really like, good. It in spite. I wrote. <laughs> I wrote in the notes. In spite of myself, levels of emotion that you experience when you see yeah. that because it's it's just very. It's pretty intimate. It's important and it's vested in this importance by, you know, the, t- the, the subject that they're, they're working through. Right. But it's also just really well crafted TV. Like I'm yes. not one to gush about the fucking West it's, Wing here. It's good. And it's like, it's real good. It's, I don't want to call it subtle, but it's like, it's just good. It's like this good moment between these two actors and they both play it, it perfectly. It I'm didn't just, have to happen. Right. And they wrote, and they did it. They wrote right. it. And anyway, they, but like, it, it. it's, it's yeah. a perfect thing because it's, it's so natural. And yet, it's like it's a perfect sort of filmmaky cinema moment too yes. of like it's scripted but it feels natural it's it's really well this, done you have this um like this what's understood to be a high level staid political conversation that is that has is high stakes and it's desperate but there's also this personal um you know very connected mode between these intimate. characters like i just Very I, I love it yeah, yeah. like it, it's it's great like the, so. the, what's funny is they're in a hugely public place and the entire airport just fades out for that moment and yeah. it's ju- it's just the two of them it's, yep. it's and, really good and there's there's a lot i think also it stands in contrast to a lot of the other um emotion and intimacy that the show has to yes. force so here's the thing the other characters in this episode are all having a, uh, a, a, con- a a conflict or some sort of interpersonal stress going on. Uh, and these are the only two characters who are, like, on the same page and are trying to help each other out and are actually trying to kind of, like, build each other up a little. 
and be there for one another. And so it stands out from the rest of the episode where, like, Babish is being, you know, combative towards CJ or, or uh, you know, Donna's freaking out about the satellite and people are making fun of her for it. It, it, it makes this moment pop all the more. Yes. And, yeah, so... It's just really good, and I love Marley Matlin, and so we'll see more of her in the future, which is great. Uh, Good on them. Um, And yeah, so... Um, Was there anything else you wanted to wrap up uh, or or talk about, or should we just go ahead and wrap up? I think think we can wrap at this point, because the end of the the episode, like, we get Abby and CJ uh, have a a heart-to-heart. Yeah, there's a nice scene here. Not a lot to talk about. Uh, no. But I like I like that both of them are sort of beaten down by the events of the day, uh, and yes. they're and CJ in particular is kind of like emotional, uh, um, like kind of fragile in the moment. But we find out why is because she's realizing that during the campaign, she actually walked in on and, and Abby, she, uh, injecting the president with something, and she probably um, is feeling even more vulnerable because she noticed and didn't say anything or. Or, well, at the time, she probably just thought, like, ah, eh, whatever. You know, like, it could have been a flu shot for all she knew. Sure, you know? and like, it, but I think in retrospect... In retrospect, just, it all comes crashing down on her. Yeah, And absolutely. that's why she's up, super upset in that moment, and I totally get it. Um, because, yeah, yeah, she's just realized, like, oh, fuck, you made, you made me part of the conspiracy without, when I didn't even realize. <laughs> you know, like, I think that's part of it, too. Like, she's, she's starting to realize, like how much fucking shit they're all in. And of course, this leads right into the end conversation with Josh about how it's yep. the fall that's going to kill them all. Yeah. So, like, it's really CJ who's, I think her conversation with Babish, she takes, she's the quickest turnaround in terms of, like, realizing, like, oh, we're all fucked. You know, we're, like, like to- you know, Toby uh, ends up spending the energy on the stupid, like, leak scandal. It's CJ who, like, quickly kind of cuts through it all, doesn't kind of externalize any of her, her stress or whatever, and just realizes, like, oh, we're dead. Yeah, yeah there's, there's no, there's no, I'm gonna go home and this. sleep because we're yeah. all fucked. Like, gosh, I'm gonna go home and check my brokerage account that I'm sure she has. And be like, <laughs> yeah. Mm, if I need to never have a job again in my life, will I die? Oh, yeah, she'll be fine. <laughs> they'll all be fine. <laughs> Doubtless they'll all be fine. So. Um, uh, yeah, and I think that's about it. Like yep. for this one, this was again it's, a good the, the, episode of character drama. Uh, very little politics, but the politics that were in there were all Sam related and all garbage. <laughs> yeah. Like literally, like Ooh. you said, the tobacco lawsuit is literally just brought in to to relate back to the MS plot. I do think mm-hmm. we get more follow up with the tobacco lawsuit in future episodes at some point. Okay. I might be imagining that, but I think we do. I feel like we see that lawyer guy again, or more lawyers from the, from the tobacco lawsuit. But anyway, uh, let's take another final break here, and then we'll just do uh, some wrap-up. Me. All 
right, and so that does it for this particular episode of The Worst Wing. Thanks, as always, for joining us. We had a lot of fun. Hope you had as much fun listening to it. Uh, next episode is going to be 18th and Potomac, um, which is basically just a straight continuation from this. We're really kind of locked in uh, into a whole arc here, uh, right up until the finale. Uh, it's not like we get a random episode out of nowhere that just starts dealing with other shit. So uh, we deal with more of the MS stuff with Abby um, and uh, Babish discovering that Abby treated the president and the implications of that. Uh, we get more of the $30 million needed for the tobacco lawsuit. We get Donna finding out. And then we get the spoilers, unfortunate tragic death of Dolores Landingham. Uh, this actress literally just shows up to play old ladies who die in things. Uh, I, I will always remember her as old lady who died in third episode of Scrubs. <laughs> well, and there's actually a um, there's a political reason behind the scenes of the show that she is literally written Correct. to die. Yeah. But yeah. we'll talk about uh, that next week. <laughs> we'll dig more into that next week, but I'm just getting you excited for character death. Ooh, I love it. Uh, but... Um, so, yeah, uh, as always, feel free to drop us some comments uh, in the thread. We always appreciate them. Uh, if you found us a different way, you can shoot us a comment via email at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Nice. And, uh, and we'll see you next time for another fun-filled episode of The Worst Wing. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. the money you asked for, but don't ask me to come on 